All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to SaberSims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, July 5th of 2022. I hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend out there here. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time to the stream, watching or listening to the recording or the podcast version of the show, welcome. My name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at SaberSim, and Office Hours is an open Q&A show where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use SaberSim to build better DFS lineups. So if you have questions you'd like me to answer on this show, you can email us, support at sabersim.com. If you are joining me here live, you can ask your questions live in the YouTube chat. And whether you're watching live or catching the recording of this, you can always ask your questions in the Office Hours channel in our Slack community. Uh, there's a link to join Slack in the description of this episode and every past episode of Office Hours. And that's probably the best place to ask your questions. That's typically where I start with looking for questions for that particular day. Of course, if you join Slack, you get access to all the other wonderful parts about being a part of the community. You get access to the sport channels where there's discussion going on about strategy every day. Uh, you get access to our Sim Alerts channels, which can be a great way to stay up to date with news, know when you need to late swap, for example, um, all kinds of different things. So Definitely recommend getting joined up into Slack. We have a few questions in our queue here for today. Uh, looks like a lot of them about adjusting exposures. Uh, I see kind of two different questions, one about baseball, one about tennis, about adjusting exposures. Um, another one just about how uh, adjusting exposures works with the pool overall. I see a, a couple questions about sliders and baseball showdown strategy. So we've got uh, uh, some exciting different things to talk about here on our list for today. I did want to pull up here uh, before we get started. Um, and let me go ahead and actually pull up our YouTube channel here. I just wanted to let everybody know um, that I did put out a video last week here, uh, how to beat tennis DFS 12 minutes long summarizes a lot of the concepts I learned from sheets and will uh, in our tennis stream from earlier this past week. But uh, our tennis simulations just came out for Wimbledon last week. If you are interested in getting into the tennis DFS streets, uh, give this video a watch, break down, you know, a lot of how our tennis sims work. And I think some really good opportunities to add value, whether it's studying the slate, the slate dynamics, uh, making adjustments to projections, making adjustments to exposure to manage risk. I think there's a lot of uh, good content in there. Uh, so definitely check that out if you're interested in tennis DFS um, and want to, to check out the new sims. I know we've had some users in Slack this past week uh, that have already had a lot of success. I know Eric, uh, who is uh, one of our data scientists here uh, on the SaberSim team, took down the um, big GPP, I think maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. Um, and then we had a user on their seven day trial, uh, just checking us out for the first time for their seven days last week, uh, end up bringing down the big GPP on Thursday, I think. So a uh, lot of quick success with the tennis Sims. Uh, again, you know, these high variance binary sports where, you know, everybody's going to win or lose uh, just a great opportunity to use simulations to build better lineups. Average projections just are not going to work for a sport like that. Uh, it's very hard to use average projections effectively to build good tennis DFS lineup. So having the opportunity to use the Sims there, just huge edge. Um, so uh, anyway, definitely check that out. And I think with that, we'll go ahead here and jump into things. Um, I'm going to start with a question from Tim. Um, and it's about baseball exposures. So we'll start there. Um, and let's get this up on screen. 
Uh, and he said, I have been experimenting with capping my team exposures at 40% after each run for different types of contests. Does that sound right? Have you ever done any back testing on this? Should I be limiting player exposures instead of or alongside this approach? If so, what is a good limit to go with? Thanks. Yeah. So uh, kind of summarizing, you know, how do you want to go about managing your player and team exposures in, in baseball DFS, right? And I think it's a really good question. Um, so let's go ahead and just start with this. So I always, you know, I always want to start with this talking about player exposures and team stack exposures by mentioning here uh, that this is ultimately going to be a big question of personal risk tolerance, right? There's not always going to be a, a particularly right or or wrong answer. And, and Saberson is going to do a lot of work here for you uh, automatically via the sim precision slider. So in terms of have we back tested this, right? Uh, so the sim precision slider is ultimately going to be the biggest factor of how much exposure you are getting to your most exposed team stacks and your player exposures and things like that. And this slider has been back tested. So the way this works, this slider controls how many simulations are we looking at for each individual lineup we make. So if you have this at zero, we're looking at every simulation for every single lineup, right? That every player, every every lineup is built using the average projection for every player, right? At 10, we're using a single game simulation for every single lineup, right? So we'll we'll take a single game sim, we'll set the player's projections to what they scored in that particular simulation for every game on the slate and build the best possible lineup around that, right? And as this comes down, you know, you can see if you hover this, you can see different values. So for a 12 game slate, like we have tonight, if you were to play a 20 max, 10 to 50K, we would recommend Sim Precision at five, which is 28 simulations per lineup. And this is ultimately going to control kind of where you end up with your exposures on average. So that has been back tested. We're actually re-back testing that now as we speak. Uh, but when you build this, right, that's going to take the context of the slate, the contest you are playing and give you, I think, decent exposures for the average player. Now your own personal risk tolerance, how how comfortable you are to certain exposures to certain, certain teams uh, or players or stacks or things like that may be different, but I think this is a good starting point. Um, in terms of 40% exposures to any one stack, I think that's a decent heuristic. I think that that works pretty good. That kind of ends up about where I am at most often, but there is, that does lack a little bit of slate specific nuance uh, that I think it's, it's useful to first run a test build and see what you're getting for that particular slate and see, you know, maybe there's a particular slate that, that maybe that doesn't work as well. If you came over here and we'll let this load for a second, if you came over here uh, and saw that you're getting a hundred percent exposure to a particular team stack for one slate. That would might be a good opportunity to maybe look at that a little bit closer and see if there's a reason for that. Maybe it's a core slate where there is one team that is just spectacularly well projected. Uh, maybe there, you know, there, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's not very good pitching, so you're spreading out at pitching and you're really exposed on your stacks or something like that. We can see here for tonight. So this is actually a pretty good example of it. So we have Toronto, 90% exposure. Now, do you have to just swallow that and say, okay, Toronto, 90% exposure, here we go? Absolutely not. If you're not comfortable with that level of risk, knock it down a peg here. But I do think it is worth looking into that situation a little bit closer and seeing if we can maybe figure out why before we do that. So let's go ahead and jump back here. And I'm curious, let's see if we can kind of figure out why that's, that's coming up here. Um, so... Um, let's see. So we have Toronto at five point run implied runs, right? They are the what third, you know, tied for the third 
best projected team on the slate after the Yankees and uh, the Giants, uh, but we're getting them at an ownership discount, right? Um, we can see here Yankees, pretty popular. Yankees, mostly popular. Some Dodger stacks, some Giant stacks. I'd be curious here um, how Vegas has these um, games projected and see if we can kind of figure out why we're getting so much exposure to them. Okay, so this is kind of kind of a little bit what I suspected here. Um, so, you know, Sabersim thinks that this is basically one of the elite stacks on the slate. We also think they're going to be pretty low owned. Uh, and on a slate where there's basically, you, you're basically getting this ownership discount on this, this very highly projected team, right? And for a 20 max, that's why we're getting a ton of exposure to them. Now, again, do we need to accept 90% exposure to any one stack? By no means is that the case, but I think it is useful instead of just setting a heuristic for yourself and saying, I'm always going to cap at this amount, it can be useful to kind of learn why you are getting exposure to teams uh, first. I think it's a good practice overall. Um, let's go back here and take a step back. And I want to touch on this other question here of, um, should you be editing player exposures instead or alongside this approach? So let's talk about that a little bit. So first of all, you know, maybe you say, okay, I get it. I like the idea of playing Toronto low owned team, uh, that, you know, projects as one of the better teams on the slate, according to Sabersim, but I am going to cap this at 40, 40% because I'm not comfortable having 90% exposure to any one team in my 20 lineups. Should you also go look at your player exposures? I think so. I think it's a good practice, right? Uh, there are certain situations, you know, in general, because these lineups are already correlated, they're already stacked, they're already they're already built with stacks and correlation in mind. Typically, you won't see a situation where you adjust this down to like where you adjust this to forty percent, and you're still getting a ton of exposure to one hitter or another or something like that, right? You can kind of see here now our our highest exposed Toronto hitter is is uh, Vlad who is 35% owed. But I do think it's also worth coming in here and looking at this. Sometimes you can end up with the situation where it just so happens that you're, you know, you've capped a team stack down, but you're still getting more exposure to a particular player for whatever reason, right? Maybe you're getting 50% exposure to Vlad Guerrero, uh, even though you capped Toronto to 50%. So I do think it's a good idea to look also at your player exposures and make some adjustments here. And maybe you want your player exposures to even be more flat than your stack exposures, right? Maybe you only want 30, maybe you're comfortable with 40% Toronto stacks, but you only want 30% of any one hitter or something like that. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a good approach. Overall, I think this in a more general sense, looking at your team stack exposures and your player exposures and making sure you are comfortable with the risk associated with that is just a really good way to add value. It's a very good use of your time with Saberson because again, on average, we're going to take the slate contest, slate context, the, the contest back testing we've done and deliver you a set of exposures that makes sense for the average player, but it's never going to fit for what everybody really wants what makes sense for you um i do think if you are unsure of kind of how to how to build a sense of intuition of like how much exposure is appropriate for a given team i think it's useful to look at the optimal rates by doing a research build right so you know if you come over here and build this research build out and set a stacking rule right basically what we can do here is we can tell SaberSim, hey, give me 1,500 lineups built using single slate sims, single game simulations of every game on the slate. Make sure every lineup has a five stack in it. And this will basically, if we do this 1,500 times, this will basically let you see 
what is roughly the probability of any one stack on the slate being the optimal stack at the end of the night. And this can be a good tool of, I think, kind of helping to answer some of these questions about how much exposure is appropriate to any one given team, right? Uh, building a sense of intuition of how likely, you know, I think this can be really useful too, and particularly in slates where there's like Coors slates uh, or a slate where like one team is super chalky for one reason or another. I think this can be a pretty useful tool to like help remember what is actually the probability of the seemingly amazingly projected team being the best team on the slate. So my personal take on all of this before we move on, I like to play pretty diversified. Um, if I was playing, I would probably be in a similar boat with whether I'm playing 20 or 150 lineups where I probably wouldn't want one team stacked more than about 30 to 40% of the time. Um, I typically don't end up having a hitter that's depending on the slate size, of course, but I typically don't end up having a, a hitter with an exposure over about 30, 35%, uh, again, depending on the, the slate context. Um, but there are other people that use Sabersim that are successful locking in a stack every single night and playing an extremely condensed version of the strategy. So some of it's a little bit personal risk tolerance. Some of it is kind of, you know, what's your, what's your level of comfort with, with different risk. Um, but anyway, let me show you this here. This is what I was basically referring to, right? I think this can be helpful to remember the probability of success of some of these teams, right? Um, so, I mean, how likely is it that, um, oh, wait, let's go to five stacks. Okay. So how, I mean, how likely is it that any given team is the optimal five stack on the end of the night tonight? Well, it's, it's 8% and the, the most likely stack is, is Tampa Bay. Now, does this mean you should have maximum 8% exposure to any one stack? Probably not. Um, that would be spreading out really thin. Um, not to say you can't do that, but that would be a, a really thin exposure. That would be really, really spread out. But it does, I think, help kind of put into context the probabilities of certain outcomes. Looking at this number, right? Now, I don't know if I'm still comfortable with the level of exposure that we were seeing before, right? I maybe want to, to spread out a little bit more. So, but good question, Tim. Let me know if that kind of helps clear things up for you. If you still have some follow-up question there, um, happy to, to dive back in here. Um, I think this is, I actually, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I see a good opportunity here to kind of continue this, this line of thought um, and talk a little bit more about this from the tennis standpoint. Um, and this is from Jimmy and he said, apologize for the long question. For today's tennis slate in the 20 max, I ran two research builds, uh, a cash and GPP. Um, cash showed Joker, Kurchios, and Riba. GPP showed Nori, Halep, Nemer. I set two rules for each group to only include two and then crunch. The exposure seemed very high for a couple of players. Would you trust Sabersim from here and play as is, or would you tweak the exposures? Uh, does this seem like a fine strategy? I think it, it seems like a, a pretty good approach. Um, I, I would say... You know, what it seems like you are doing is trying to avoid common lineup constructions, which, you know, as we are getting into the, the quarterfinal type slates here, smaller slate sizes, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Duplication is going to become a bigger concern as the size of the slates get smaller. Uh, I think setting some rules to say, you know, hey, avoid the most common constructions when building lineups is going to help you avoid duplication overall. Uh, I do think, you know, for the purposes of avoiding duplication, you you might find that you're maybe a little bit better off. Um, you might find that you're a little bit better off doing that more for the cash build, right? Like trying to find what are the what are the highest projected, what are the cashiest lineups out there, what are people going to make, and then split those off with a max two. 
the GPP build, if you're running like a 0010 research build, um, uh, like I think, I think those lineups are probably just even a little bit better overall. Like I, I don't think necessarily seeing that the the three highest exposed players in your research build is an indication that those three players are going to be paired commonly in actual lineups as much as they are in the cash builds. But I think the approach here overall is good. Um, in terms of why you're getting very high exposures from there, right? Um, let's just run this. So let's say you're playing a 20 max and maybe you're playing like something like this, right? I mean, I think a big factor of this is that there's just not a lot of matches left anymore. So you're going to get very high exposures. Uh, and I think as the size of the slate goes down, you do somewhat need to be willing to take more chances uh, overall, right? There's there's just less there's less players available on the slate. Every player is going to be owned more to get leverage on players. And I also, I don't know what's going on with our ownership projections here. I see those look a little weird. So we're looking into that, but you need to get a little bit more leverage, right? You need to, you need to, 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 to get leverage on a particular player. You need to be more exposed when there are less matches on the, this slate. Um, I would say in general, assuming the ownership projections are, are good, which right now they do look a little bit wonky. I would still use the tip I had described here in this video, right? Which was basically to pull in the win odds. So you can pull in the win projection from our Sims and compare your exposure to the win probability of a particular player and along with the ownership projection and just make sure that you're comfortable with the level of risk associated with that, right? So if you have, you know, here's a good example. I like to do this particularly on underdogs. If you have 70% Taylor Fritz, right? Well, this player only has a 30% chance to beat Nadal. Now, that's, I mean, 30%, right? That's that's still a decent probability of happening, but you should be comfortable that you are taking 70% of your lineups of 20 and exposing yourself to this player who has only a 30% chance to win the match, right? You have to take some risks, right? You can't play lineups of, of six favorites. I don't even think mathematically you can do that here at this particular point. But that, that I think, is a good tool to help contextualize this a little bit here. Um, for me, I find myself, I find the best way of doing this is just looking for significant outliers between this number and this number, especially for the underdogs. Um, so... I think that's the best example of it here. Maybe M Maria as well, right? Where you're pretty, you know, pretty heavily exposed to to an underdog here. Um, I might, as somebody that wants to play a little bit more of a diversified portfolio, um, I might maybe cap these and get my raw exposures a little bit closer to those players' probability of of actually winning their match. Which what you'll see happens here is it just basically pushes you on other underdogs. So I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not as as heavily exposed to an underdog winning a match that has a 30% chance to win, I end up spreading out and getting a little bit more exposures to kind of the underdogs as a whole. So that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. But again, this is more about, this is really a lot about your personal tolerance and your personal, uh, you know, how, how, what's your level of comfort? You know, if you think that this is the best overall underdog play on the slate and is going massively underowned, right? Then maybe 75% makes a lot of sense in 20 lineups. For me, I'd probably prefer to be a little bit more diversified and to match the, the actual probability of success there a little bit more, right? So, um, but overall, speaking kind of generally here, I like the idea of thinking about duplication and targeting common or popular lineup constructions and grouping them out to avoid those kinds of lineups from showing up in your pool. Um, 
then in terms of here, would I trust Saberson and play as is, or would I tweak the exposures? That's going to be really a, a personal risk tolerance question. The Sim Precision slider is going to do a lot of work in giving you an average set of exposures that makes sense for your contest. But if you want to diversify more from there, I think that's great. And I probably would. So, but I think you've got uh, the, the workings of a, a pretty sound strategy overall here. Um, okay, cool. And then I wanted to jump into another question here. This is from, from F, from Mr. F. Um, and this question says, so I have 100% Max Scherzer and built 20 lineups from a pool of 500. If I adjust exposure to 50% Scherzer with salary restrictions, will I now have 20 lineups with those conditions? Uh, what if the optimizer cannot do this because of the salary conditions? Will it do the next best thing? In other words, my salary must be between 49K and 50K. Will the optimizer do the best thing and maybe give me lineups that are low below 49K? Okay, yeah. So this question is kind of asking, you know, like, how does how does editing exposures in your lineup pool work? Uh, and you know, I guess what what really is the lineup pool? So let's let's talk about this a little bit here in detail. So when you first come to SaberSim, right, and you press this button to build lineups, these settings here. Let's get this back to defaults here. These settings are going to be what is used for every single lineup in your pool. Right, so we're building for a 20 max. We're building 20 max. We're building for a 20 max between 10 and 50k entrance. We want 20 lineups. We're going to build a pool of 500 lineups around it, so that we can build, you know, so we can adjust exposures from there. Every single lineup in the pool is going to be built at these settings. So they will all have a minimum no lower than a salary of 49. They will all have no greater than a salary of oops, I didn't mean to do that of 50k, right? When comparing any two lineups together, they will have at least one unique player between them and so on. So this controls every lineup in your pool, right? So when we build this here, there is no way. So to answer this question, like kind of the, the specific question here, there is no way you could suddenly end up with a lineup that was project that had less than a min salary of 49. You couldn't end up with a 48,000 salary here because these those build settings dictate how every single lineup in the pool is built. But... I'll show you here as soon as this is built, how adju adjustments here actually do affect your lineups and do affect your pool here. Uh, we'll just give this a second to uh, to build here. So, and I'll get a second to, uh, to catch my breath. I do see there are a couple folks in YouTube chat here asking about MLB showdown. Uh, so we will, um, we'll go there next. Okay, so now we are in the build and we will give it just another second here to load the lineups. Okay, so here we are. And I guess I could have used the one I already built here, but we'll we'll go ahead and adjust two player projections so we can actually see the lineups here. So what we're doing, right, is we have this pool of 500 lineups and then we are sorting out the top 20 based on Sabre score, right? So... There we go. Okay. So the top lineup in the pool is always Saber score 100, right? Saber score essentially tries to quantify the strength of the lineup by looking at the correlations, the ownership, uh, what players are scoring in their individual simulations, right? Saberson believes this is the best lineup in the pool. This is the second best lineup of the pool. And our top 20 are made up from our best 20 of the pool of 500. If you come over here, 
and let's say I'll use a different pitcher as an example instead of Scherzer. Um, but if you come over here and say, you know, Luis Garcia, I only want max 20% exposure, right? What is happening here is that we are sorting through this pool of 500 and now finding the best 20 sorted by Sabre score in which Luis Garcia is used in no more than 20% of them, right? So it doesn't, there's no change. The lineups have already been built and they all have the restrictions that were set forth in the build settings. So they cannot be below 49,000. They cannot be greater than 50,000 uh, and, and so on. If you had set stacking rules, they would all have that stack rule. We are just purely sorting in new lineups that match your overall individual exposures, right? Um, now it is a good question. What if the optimizer cannot do this, right? What if you've made so many changes that the optimizer can't find lineups and you can typically find this pretty quickly if you just start eliminating all of the top players from your pool. So let's do this here. Let's just slowly start eliminating every pitcher. And we'll take a second here. And what we're doing, right? We're basically set, we're we're resorting this pool of of uh, five hundred, right, to find the best twenty. Slowly eliminating virtually every single pitcher from the pool. And I'm going to do this until until I see that it can't do it anymore. Keep going. And you can see, I mean, if you do this and you, you work on this on your own, you'll actually see that your your pool of even 500 lineups is generally actually pretty flexible. Uh, it takes a long time to actually break it here, um, so to speak. But break it, we will. At least in a moment here. There was actually probably a faster way I... I could have done this, I'm realizing now, but I think this is a little bit, I think this sticks a little bit more closely to the uh, to the um, spirit of the question here, right? Come on. Surely we have got to be getting close to being out of pitchers here. All right, anyway. I'm, I'm failing to break it here, but what I'm going to do instead is I'm just going to set an exposure to a different player to to force to force it to break because I want to show you the message here. Okay, so this is the message I was referring to. So uh, if you go long enough here, eventually you'll see this message here that says we need to expand the lineup pool in order to match your exposures. Continue building, right? That is saying there are no longer 20 lineups in your pool of 500 that match the exposures you've requested at all. So a couple things you can do here. So first of all, if you click yes, basically it will attempt to build more lineups specifically trying to target your exposures that you've requested here. Uh, this can be a decent way of, you know, if you are close to getting what you wanted to get and you want to, you know, just build a few more lineups so you can get a little bit closer, this often will work. Uh, but what can happen is you can sometimes get into a loop here where you are repeatedly seeing the message, hey, we can't build more lineups, right? We can't get any closer. Um, and I think that's probably likely to have happened here. Uh, or I just, let's see. Okay, so it looks like it was able to meet my exposures, but sometimes you can get into a loop here where it cannot, right? It can't find all of your exposures. Uh, in that particular case, I think it's good to use it as a opportunity to take a step back, 
right? Uh, maybe in this particular case, you've done too much, right? Uh, and you are you are disagreeing pretty profoundly with what Saberson wants to do by default. And I think you are better off going back to the projections tab and instead adjusting some player projections to get the builder to do a little bit more of what you want it to do. In the example we were just doing before, maybe you want to eliminate half of the pitchers on the slate and all you want to do is play all of the lower projected lower owned pitchers while maybe eliminate all the pitchers you don't want to use here, then rebuild your lineups and you'll get a much more flexible pool that actually targets what you're trying to do on that particular slate. But I think the the, the important part about this particular question here uh, is that the build settings, once defined, control the entire pool. The entire pool of lineups is built from those build settings. And when you are adjusting exposures in the post-build process, you are just resorting uh, the top lineups. You are resorting re and floating new top lineups to the top based on your exposure requests. So um, Mr. F or, or Miss F, um, please let me know if uh, that helps answer your question. Um, and I will move on for now. I want to hit a, a very quick question here. Um, this is from Clement. Uh, and this will be a, this is a quick one here. Um, good overall question here. Hello. If you play th three to a hundred players, what do you set your sliders to? So I always recommend using the default sliders for all contests. So uh, if you are playing those 100 man contests, I think at least I know on FanDuel, they're three mans. Um, I don't know. I think DraftKings probably also has three man 100. Actually, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, three man. I know, I know uh, FanDuel has three max 100 man contests. So I would recommend using something like this, right? These sliders have been back tested, optimized for these different types of contests. Um, unless you have some other reason to make some changes for a strategic reason, they're going to do a really good job of making sure that you have like baseline strong lineups that are appropriate for the contest. And that's true for everything. Anytime this question comes in, in all of the different versions, this is my answer, right? Use the default sliders. And we are, I mentioned earlier, we are in the process of kind of reviewing and doing a fresh new uh, back test on those sliders right now. Um, if you are interested in what that process looks like, uh, they are actually the subject of our current Behind the Sims series. So we launched this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, it literally shows you our internal conversations as we're working through different projects, um, different analysis projects. So the first one we did was for our big contest selection analysis project, which ended up um, kind of accumulating in my DFS profit plan video. That was basically this this series explains our, the work we did to basically get to the conclusions of this video. Uh, and right now, in progress right now, we're on episode two, um, still working on this project, is, is basically the, the conversations that are happening inside SaberSim as a part of the way we're doing our new slider back test with contest simulations. So um, pretty cool, kind of a tangent there. Overall, you know, for this question, use the default sliders for your contests. Um, they have been optimized and intentionally set where they are. So... Cool. Okay. Um, strangely, uh, I have at least three different people here um, asking about Baseball Showdown. So uh, process for Baseball Showdown, process for Baseball Showdown. And then I saw another question here, um, strategy for a single game for a five-man contest. So that one's a little bit different. Um, so I'm going to start more broadly speaking, just in general, um, my Baseball Showdown strategy here. Um, so Let's go ahead and pull this up. So let's look, we'll look at the night game here tonight. I think those are typically some of the bigger contests is that that night game here. So let's talk about this a little bit. And I think 
First of all, what, what's really helpful before we start talking about what I actually do here is I think it's helpful to talk about what SaberSim is doing. What, what is SaberSim automating for you? What is SaberSim making easier? Because I think it can help identify where's the opportunities to actually add value. So as a starting point, right, we simulate this game out thousands of times, right? We are essentially generating the full range of outcomes for this game. And when you build lineups using SaberSim, right? So we'll build for a 20 max, right? Um, you are going to be essentially getting single game simulation, optimal lineups out of that, right? So we have the game simulations. We're going to use a single game sim for every lineup, and we're going to build 500 lineups that are represented by the way the game could actually play out. And then to make it even better, we're not just going to hand you the 500 lineups. We hand you the 500 lineups and actually sort by Sabre score, which ones are the best. And in the case of single entry or in the case of single game and showdown contests, best is basically what are the lineups that on average on in the top 1% of outcomes score the highest, right? And which lineups are the most likely to be optimal, which lineups are most frequently optimal in the game simulations themselves. So all of that is to say is that you actually are going to get a really great set of lineups here that you can just almost plug and play pretty easily. Um, and I would say most of the time when I'm playing baseball showdown, I don't make a ton of adjustments here because what SaberSim is doing is it's already, it's already answering the fundamental questions of showdown anyway. What are the game scripts? How can the game play out? Like what are the different ways that the game can play out? Uh, and what are the lineups that represent those different game scripts, right? That is, that is what is already optimized, optimized here. Um, there are a couple things that I think can be useful for baseball showdown. And I think particularly, well, I think particularly if you are playing somewhat bigger contests, one thing that I think SaberSim does not really, well, I know SaberSim does not really take into account that much at the moment is duplication. Um, in baseball showdown, there are so many players in the pool and there's so many different lineups you can make. And the contests are generally a little bit smaller that I don't think it's as big of a factor as in something like basketball or football showdown, but it's something I still like to think about, right? And basically the reason why I like to think about it is, you know, for everybody that's hand building and using traditional optimizers for this same contest, their process is going to lead them to believe that what happens on average in this game is far more likely to happen than it really is. And what I like to do is I like to get an idea, you know, what do I think that the field, what do I think the field is going to think of this game? Right. And we have a, uh, we can actually even go and we can just look at Vegas here instead. Um, Let's see. Okay, so we have 5.3 runs to 3.4 runs, right? We have a, a two, basically almost a two-run spread, according to Vegas here. Um, we have one team projected for over five runs, right? One team that's clearly going to be thought of or projected as an elite, a somewhat elite hitting spot, and a team that's projected for 3.4 runs, right? And probably a very poor hitting spot. And that's great, right? But all of those are just descriptive of what happens on average, because we have the full range of outcomes at our disposal to us here, right? I One of my favorite ways to get an edge or to add a little bit of additional value in, in Showdown is to particularly target outcomes that I think the field is going to underappreciate their likelihood of happening. So I'll typically do this here more um, with my captain, my choice of my captain, and the way I handle the overall lineup construction, right? So one thing... Pitchers are always very popular at captain because they are going to be generally the highest projected players in the pool, 
So if there is an opportunity where I think a pitcher is very likely to be popular relative to his chance of success, I may just kill him at captain here, right? Mitch White is a good example of that. Rockies 3.4 run total. Average projections, people building with traditional optimizers are going to get a ton of him at their captain spot. Uh, We can see even just looking at the full pool of 500 lineups, only 11% of them use Mitch White at captain. If I'm targeting 20 to play, I might take that as an opportunity to reduce my chance of being duplicated there and just remove him, right? Another thing I might do is vary my construction. So we just saw, I think that overweight Dodger stacks are going to be the most popular construction for this particular game, right? I think people are going to play a lot of Dodger stacks because they are projected for 5.4 runs and Rockies are projected for 3.4, right? Well, I might take that as an opportunity here to say instead, you know, what if I target game outcomes where the Rockies do really well or or a, or a, uh, an overweight Dodger stack is not the, the best lineup construction. So I may experiment here with eliminating some of these lineups from my pool. And maybe I don't want to play any Dodgers four or five stacks, right? And all that's happening here is we're just resorting that pool of 500 lineups, all of which are made from individual single simulations and giving the best 20 here that are up at the top, right? Now we get lineups that are a little bit more balanced. We could even take this a step further and just say, we don't want to play any balanced builds at all, right? We want to be, we want more Rockies than Dodgers in every lineup, right? And you can see all this did removing Mitch White and playing Rocky stacks instead of Dodger stacks, right? Takes us down to only our 73rd best lineup of our 500. I think it's still, I think these are great lineups to play. You could even, you know, you could continue to go a little bit further. I think each step you go further here, I would be, you know, I would probably only continue to do more and more here as the size of the contest got bigger, right? If you're playing a 1000 person contest, you may not have to get as different as if you're playing the the big GPP or something like that. Uh, But one way to go further maybe would be to eliminate Dodgers captains right? And just focus on playing Colorado bats at captains. And you can see we can do this safely, right? Because we know the lineups are built from individual sims already, right? These lineups are represented by a single simulation. So this this is an optimal for a game script of the way that the game could play out. So um, the last thing I'll note here, and this is, that's that, everything I've kind of discussed so far up to this point is really more generally my showdown philosophy. Um, one thing that's specific to baseball in general that you should take a look at is to uh, proceed with caution. Be careful with relief pitchers, right? So, I mean, relief pitchers get into the game. Uh, they have a true, they have a real range of outcomes, right? Most common outcome is always almost always zero points when they don't even play, but they do have a legitimate chance of getting into the game and they show up in Sims and they will show up in your player exposures. Uh, at the moment, our model does not take into account recent bullpen usage or recent play from pitchers. So one of the things that I like to use is, um, oh, let's see. I don't have that saved here. Um, Baseballpress.com. I think that's what it is. Yep. Uh, This site has a really easy to see um, bullpen usage page here. Uh, And I typically like to go through before as I'm finalizing my lineups and look for any relief pitchers I'm getting here um, and see if they've pitched recently. So I'll just do a quick search for Craig Krimble, uh, Craig Krimble, Craig Kimble, who did not pitch yesterday. Typically that's a good enough for me. If they didn't pitch the day before, I typically assume that they can, they can pitch today. Um, one thing to be careful of, it does look like he has a questionable tag here. So I would probably, if you were playing this slate, I would, you know, maybe make sure that, that he's actually, 
active before you put submitted these lineups. Um, I always lean on the side of eliminating relief pitchers if I'm really not sure. Like if a guy's questionable or if I'm like, wow, you know, maybe he only threw, maybe he pitched four pitches the day before, five pitches the day before, and you're like, well, he could pitch. Uh, just given that the probability of them getting into the game is pretty low anyway, I'm I'm happy to play relievers. I don't remove them all from my pool, but also I I'm really looking for like any reason to remove them from my pool, and then I then I just will. But that's kind of how I think about it. So um, Jeremy says for showdown. Also, I know you had said at one point to set the sliders to zero zero ten. Uh, don't need to do that now. So for baseball, our sliders for the default will be three zero ten. So you're still getting a basically what's happening here is you're still getting a you're still using single game simulations to set the projections when we build the lineup. But as we build the lineup here, we'll incorporate a little bit of correlation in. Um, the reason for that is basically that ultimately to take down a GPP for baseball showdown, you don't actually very frequently need this stone optimal, right? Like you can, you don't necessarily need the exact optimal from a sim. You can rely a little bit on correlation to give you a lineup that's likelier to perform better on average. It's up to you. I, when I build my lineups for showdown, I actually like, I prefer to know that no matter what, every lineup is a perfectly exact optimal from a sim. And to do that, you have to set it to zero, zero, 10. But based on our work, reviewing and back testing the sliders for baseball showdown the defaults are at 3010 so i know that's kind of a little bit of a mixed signal i don't think either one's going to be wrong um i just prefer to know that i'm building using single game optimals so um yeah i i i don't think either one's going to be wrong there so um Okay. And then, so that kind of answers those two questions. I did want to wrap back around here to what Clay had asked. And he said, what's your strategy for a single game for a five man contest? Uh, that gets pretty interesting. Um, I do think it depends a lot on the payout structure of that contest, but I'm going to assume that it's a GPP, that there is a, a bigger prize to, to first than there is to anything else, right? That, that it's in your, it's in your best interest to build the best the highest upside lineup possible that you're not trying to just like double up. Um, I would probably use the default sliders here. And what these are going to do for a contest of this size instead is it's basically going to say, you know, no correlation, no ownership fade, um, take a, a subsample of simulations of this game and build the best lineup possible. Um, in this particular case, since you're really, you're just trying to beat only four other lineups here, I would probably just play, I would probably just play the best projected lineup of this pool or the highest saber score lineup of this pool, right? Um, you're going to get a lineup that's probably a lot more representative of like a cash kind of build. Like, I think... I think what you are likely to see in a lot of baseball showdowns building for a contest of this size is probably both pitchers who are going to project very well on average, who have a pretty good chance of putting up a decent score. You will probably see some of the best overall bats in that game, in this case, Freeman and Betts, uh, and then fill-ins of like the best elite value plays. And I think to beat four other lineups out, I think you're basically kind of saying, you know what, I think my, I think my model is better than yours. And I'm going to trust it. And that's, that's 
probably basically what I would do. Like I would basically assume that there's enough of an edge in using Saber Sims Sims to build these lineups to just beat out the other four lineups in a five-man contest that I probably wouldn't even worry about going further. Um, I mean, I do think you can use your own intuition here a little bit, right? Like, do we want an eight-hole hitter occupying our captain spot where we get one and a half points? Maybe not. Like, let's see what the next best lineup is. Cody Bellinger, in this case, I think this game's interesting um, because the best projected guys here are going to be super expensive, right? Um, so it does make sense that maybe you might use like Bellinger at the captain spot. I, I think this lineup makes some sense. Um, you know, you could kind of keep going here and maybe pick a guy that that projects a little bit better or something like that. But I probably wouldn't sacrifice too much projection here um, to do this. Maybe this is maybe this is the lineup that I like the most of the ones we just quickly reviewed. You again get both pitchers. You get a guy with a little bit more upside at the yeah. Actually, I think this is my favorite lineup that we've seen. So I think maybe that would be one thing you could do to add value is like take a quick like look, study the actual lineup, and just make sure it kind of checks with your intuition of what makes sense there. Right? Does does a six, seven, or eight hole hitter for the Dodgers really make sense when they're projected for five and a half runs and you're trying to beat four other lineups? Maybe not. Maybe you play Mookie Betts there since it's sacrificing essentially no projection. Um, but let me know how those contests go for you. I'm curious. I, I, I've i never experimented with that kind of contest, five mans for single game. So, but that's kind of how I would think about it. Um, Tracy said, if I increase my number of uniques, do I decrease my number of quality lineups by forcing Saber to use players? It may not be considering to build lineups around. Um, in theory, yes. Right. So, um, this question's like, really, do you sacrifice expected value to increase your minimum uniques? Right. That's kind of what the spirit of the question is here. Uh, that like theoretically the answer is yes. Right. Because basically, you know, let's just if assuming Sabersim was perfect, right? And assuming Sabersim could perfectly identify the highest 20 expected value lineups that you could play in a 20 max from 10 to 50K, right? Well, increasing the min uniques would purely would would basically purely make that more difficult for Sabersim to find those lineups, right? You would you would you would essentially be arbitrarily removing lineups that might be in the top twenty to play a lineup that is just more diverse, more different from the other lineups in the pool, and sacrifice EV, right? That would also be true even of editing exposures if that was the case. If Sabersim was perfect with its assessment of the best lineups possible, uh, in practice there are a lot of different lineups you can make. I mean, there are trillions of different lineups you can make on a slate. And there are probably tens of thousands of profitable lineups that you can make on a slate. And especially a lot of the lineups at the very top of that range are probably pretty close or have like a negligible difference in expected value. And adjusting the min uniques here to two, for example, may reduce your inter-lineup correlation and give you a wider, more diverse range of lineups and sacrifice negligible expected value. So it's, it's, if you, if you're asking this from a theoretical standpoint, yes, you are, you are basically forcing a restriction on the builder that may cause it to do its job less well. And I think particularly if you increase this to like five or something like that, right, then you are going to be eliminating 
huge chunks of lineups and you probably are actually having a noticeable impact on your EV. Uh, increasing this just to two while on a theoretical level is still a restriction probably has no negligible probably has no negative impact on your real true EV and it will just serve to make your lineups be a little bit more diverse. Um, if you want to use min uniques to decrease the correlation of your lineups to make you have more of a, a diverse pool overall, I would experiment with this slowly. I would see how your lineups look at two. And if you want to go further, I would experiment and see how your lineups look at three. I probably wouldn't recommend going beyond three for virtually any sport because I think that the cons start to outweigh the pros there. Um, and I'd also experiment instead of turning min uniques up with turning your sim precision slider up, which is going to also increase the diversity of your lineups. Uh, but it is going to do so in a way that also increases the upside instead of just setting kind of a blanket rule about what lineups are around, are allowed. So good question there. Um, and kind of a tricky one to answer, but good question. All right. Cool. Any other questions here for me? on today's stream before we we begin to wrap up. I am cooking up another video that I'm hoping to get out this week. Uh, it will be about late swap for baseball. Um, we've added some new features to late swap here this year. You can see this one is up staring me in the face with the red indicator here. Um, so want to uh, do a video walking through how to think about late swap for your baseball lineups. What are the best ways to handle the different late swap situations that can come up whether they're postponements, uh, late lineups, late scratches, different things like that, how to use the variety of tools at your disposal with Savers in between quick swap and late swap and all those different things to, to make the right decisions. So uh, look forward to that coming out here before the end of the week. Um, but I don't see any other questions coming in here. So I think we will go ahead and wrap right about there. Uh, of course, I will be right back here. Oh, whoops. One more question here. Uh, and Luke, I apologize. I, I saw this one earlier and I missed it. So I maybe should just do a quick walkthrough here uh, and make sure I didn't miss anything else. Uh, but I think this was the one I missed. Do you ever adjust min or max stacks or do you adjust single player min or max? Um, I personally prefer to do most of my exposure editing on the individual players. I think it just makes more intuitive sense to me. Um, at the end of the day, like I've always felt that stacks can describe a lineup but ultimately a lineup is still full of individual players. So I prefer to adjust my individual player exposures, right? I, I maybe have more of an intuitive sense of how much Aaron judge exposure I'm comfortable with than broadly how much Yankees exposure I'm comfortable with. That said, there's not a right or a wrong answer here. Do what makes sense to you. If one is more intuitive than the other, if you prefer to think about stacks first, then player exposures or stacks first, and then player exposures, not at all. Whatever makes sense. I, I typically, for what it is worth, I typically like to edit player exposures, right? So I will cap my player exposures maybe to, to 30, 35, something like that. And then I'll let the stacks fall into place where they may, right? If I have max 30% exposure to any one hitter, but for whatever reason, I have 50% exposure to a particular team, that's fine with me. So uh, definitely more of a personal preference kind of question. But, okay. Uh, that will be, we'll make that our last question here for today. 
Uh, as always, if you are tuning in for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, we have a free seven day trial on our site, sabersim.com. We reset everybody's trial at the start of baseball season. Uh, so if you haven't been with us all baseball season and want to come back, give us another try. We've added a ton of features this season, a uh, ton of new stuff on the app. So uh, you can get signed up free seven days, sabersim.com. I will be right back for another episode of Office Hours tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. So in the meantime, uh, good luck tonight and I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.